What a performance by Spencer Strider on the mound Thursday evening as the Atlanta Braves take down the Colorado Rockies three to nothing and end up winning that series. Spencer Strider with a historic franchise record-setting performance on the mound. We'll talk about all of that and his fellow Rookie of the Year candidate Michael Harris, who had a big home run on Thursday evening as well. We'll cover all of that on today's episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Check out my bio there to see where I am covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com, where I've been the co-editor for several years now. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown underscore Braves and send in any questions, comments, or feedback you have for the podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, do me a favor and hit that thumbs up button and that notification bells. It does help support the show and the videos a ton. And as always, comment down in the sections. I try to respond to everybody there and love the conversations that we have in that comment section. And as always, thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen each and every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. Well, Thursday night's going to be known as Spencer the Spencer Strider game as he was just absolutely incredible on the mound we're going to talk about all of that talk about the home runs from austin riley who's starting to heat up again and michael harris who is right now in a head-to-head battle with his fellow teammate spencer strider for rookie of the year the braves do win on thursday three to nothing over the colorado rockies bouncing back from that tough loss on tuesday to win the series unfortunately the new york mets won their series over the Los Angeles Dodgers as they won on Thursday as well. So the Braves remain three games back in the NL East. But we're here to talk about the Atlanta Braves and the performance they had on Thursday and most notably the performance from Spencer Strider. I'll give you his final line, eight hits or eight innings, two hits, no walks, no earned runs, and 16 strikeouts, which is a franchise high for strikeouts in a nine-inning game. Smoltz had struck out 15 in a game twice, and Strider breaks that with the last batter of the game that he faced in the eighth inning. And something I loved here, he was up over a 100 pitches, had a couple of runners on, and Brian Snicker allowed him to just continue to pitch through that and complete that inning, I'm sure knowing what was on the line there. And that's just so cool from, from Brian Snicker to do that and Look, I'm I criticize Brian Snicker of things throughout the year as fans do, or but that's one of those situations that show you why players love playing for Brian Snicker so much. They're going to give him give you give the guys a chance to to do incredible things, and you're throwing as good as Spencer Strider was. You know, he wasn't going to take away that moment from him. And another situation with Kenley Jansen, which I'll just go ahead and get into now, and then we'll jump back into the Spencer Strider talk. But look, Spencer Strider or Kenley Jansen hasn't been great his last two outings. It's a 3 nothing game. You had Iglesias up again. 
but he goes with Kenley Jansen. And I just think that, look, uh, Brian Snicker is loyal, maybe to a fault at times, but you go back to last year and how much were we all yelling for Will Smith to come out of these, the closers role. And then look what he did down the stretch and in the postseason. he's going to continually to continue to put Kenley Jansen out there and just know that he's going to figure it out. And he had a, a good inning on Thursday as he closed out a very quick and stress-free ninth inning, a couple of quicks outs to start it. I still thought the, the location and the command was a bit off, but point being these guys love playing for Brian Snicker because they trust them. And you even heard that during the, 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 the telecast on TV, which was great, by the way, I normally will mute the broadcast and, and watch, you know, some other games while watching the Braves, but I thought it was a great broadcast. Brian McCann makes his return. He was in the booth, some great appearances. One in particular I wanted to mention was Jackson Stevens, who was just hilarious and incredible. I don't care if they have him on every day, but you even heard him talk about, you know, how much Brian Snicker, you know, fights for his guys and believes in his guys. And that's why they love playing for him. So all that to come back to Spencer Strider and Brian Snicker leaving him out there again, had a Glacius up, had a couple of runners on, but he trusted his guy to get out of that. And again, it's not like Strider was giving up a bunch of hard hits and uh, not like he was necessarily losing command or control. Uh, but I just love that moment. I wanted to make sure that I, I mentioned that. But as for Spencer Strider, and again, the franchise high 16 strikeouts, 106 pitches on the night, 79 strikes. So again, pounding the zone was very efficient early on. Reason why he was able to go so deep. And it was the deepest outing of his career. Previous long was six and two thirds. So he breaks that, hit that own personal record as well in this game, goes eight innings. So very efficient in this game. Baseball Savant says that he only threw a fastball in the slider in this game. Didn't throw any changeups. I thought I saw a couple of changeups in this game to lefties. Possible it's just some sliders that maybe backed up on him. But I thought I saw a couple of pitches that looked like they were running down and away to lefties. But either way, primarily fastball slider. They had it at 64 fastballs, 42 sliders, which I think is important to call out here the fact that he I and I even noticed this I was watching the game before I looked at the differential in the pitches I thought he was going to that slider a lot more there was an at-bat to Charlie Blackman where it was just slider after slider after slider and you know I think as he you know teams do get more of a look at him I think that's something he's going to have to do a little bit more you know usually he and when he came first started pitching was in the rotation it was 70 percent you know, four-seam fastball. We've seen that dialed back a little bit more now. It's about 60%. Look, it's a good fastball. It may be one of the best fastballs in baseball. But, you know, major league hitters, the more they see it, and especially as you go a second and third time through a lineup in a game, you know, they're going to eventually learn how to time that thing up. But you keep them off balance, throwing that slider a little bit more and get that in the back of their heads. And that's just why he is so dominant with only two pitches, which is just incredible. 22 swings and misses on the night and 22 called strikes. So, again, just very efficient getting swings and misses, getting called strikes, working ahead in the count. I mean, this truly was, I talked about it with Grant McCauley on the postcast, I think this is the best pitching performance we've seen from a Braves pitcher all year long, or at least the most dominant pitching performance that we've seen. And there was only 11 balls put in play by Rockies hitters against 
Spencer Strider is obviously he had a bunch of strikeouts. Only one of them was a hard hit ball, a hard hit ball being 95 miles per hour or harder. And that ball was only hit 97.2 miles per hour and it had a negative eight degree launch angle. So it was driven into the ground for an easy ground out. So nothing really hit hard at all against Spencer Strider on this evening, just adding to the dominant performance that he had with all the strikeouts, had a perfect game going through four innings, got ahead of CJ Crone, the first batter in the fifth, 0-2, kind of fell behind, got them 3-2, and then Crone did a great job. It was actually a ball up and out of the zone. He punched it in the right field uh, for a clean single. The first hit of the game broke up the perfect game there, but just a, a brilliant performance by Spencer Strider. And I've been talking a lot lately about a potential postseason rotation and what that looks like. And for me right now, I, I think this just even more solidifies it. For me, Spencer Strider is your number two starter in a postseason series. When you talk about the dominance that he has as a starter, and Charlie Morton can have this with all the strikeouts that he gets, but with the dominance that Spencer Strider has and the consistency in which he's doing it, which Charlie Morton just isn't doing right now, I got to think Spencer Strider for me in a postseason rotation is your number two starter. I mean, you know how much that stuff plays up in the postseason, how much dominant pitching plays up. I got to figure he's in there. I've talked about it as I've been going through this. It's a great problem for Brian Snicker to have, whether you go, you know, Strider, Ryder, Morton behind Max Freed. But when you see Max or see Spencer Strider do things like he did tonight, it's hard not to put him at the top of that postseason rotation. But again, just an awesome performance from Spencer Strider. I've talked about this all year long as well and talked about it on the postcast. He is must-see TV, and I could not I could not pull myself away from the TV on Thursday night just watching him pitch. I, it reminded me of the Kerry Wood performance back in 1998 when he struck out 20. I mean, it was just that kind of wipeout stuff. You just couldn't look away. He's so exciting to watch. He's so fun when he's out there, and you, you see it, and I love the fire that he got after striking out that last batter, batter to set the franchise record. I mean, this guy cares. I, I loved it, too, he, when Austin Riley hit the home run early in the game and you saw him come off the bench to see if it got out and then saw the little fist bump. I mean, this guy cares. He's smart. I love everything about Spencer Strider, and I talked about him in the offseason when I did my rankings, and I put him number two behind Michael Harris because of an article that I read on him and just his his knowledge of the game and his his wanting and to be great. And I think you see that kind of play out in the way that he – pitches the way that he carries himself so i'm just so happy to see this performance from spencer strider uh, just so excited for his future and his potential because i think he can become even better and perhaps become another ace top of the rotation pitcher with max freed atop the braves rotation which is just really fun to think about all right next we'll turn our attention to the offense which hasn't been great in this series but did enough on thursday to back up spencer strider's great performance are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to, to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal. Wrong. The truth is your reaction time slows way down when you're high. Not only are you putting yourself in danger, but everyone else around you. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. And if you drive high, get a DUI. Message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. 
So now four games in a row, really, that this offense has struggled quite a bit. Uh, on Thursday, three runs, five hits, one walk, 13 strikeouts. And I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but the strikeouts in this series in particular have been really worrisome and bad. Um, and I mentioned after that series in City Field against the Mets, they had been doing a much better job of this, keeping their strikeout totals, you know, below 10 a game, which I think with this team and their approach, look, it's not going to change. They're going to strike out a lot. They're going to hit a lot of home runs. But I think anytime the Braves were able to keep their strikeout number below 10, it's typically, you know, a pretty good performance from the offense. But in this series alone, they struck out 12, 10, and 13 times in this series. 35 strikeouts in a three-game series against a pitching staff that had the fewest strikeouts in all of baseball. That's just not great. That's not really what you want from your offense. Eight of the strikeouts on Thursday came from Ron Acuna Jr., Dansby Swanson, and Matt Olson. You certainly don't want to see that from your big guys at the top of the order. I don't know what the reasoning is for that. I mean, the Rockies pitchers, I know that Lawrence guy coming out of the bullpen is really tough but it's more so the starters. I mean, none of these starters were really strikeout pitchers, and just about all of them struck out more batters than innings pitched. So just not a great performance from the offense. I don't know if they're just being a little lackadaisical, but I certainly would like to see that trend in a better direction. Only eight runs scored in this series. They've now scored three runs or less in four straight games. Look, we're talking about a four-game sample size. So I don't want to overreact to this too much, but the offense does seem to be in a little bit of a slump and certainly not what you want going into the series they're about to go into, which we'll talk about more later in the podcast. But Austin Riley heating back up, which is great because once he gets going in the middle of that order and some of the other guys get going as well, we'll see this offense get back on track. He had two more hits on Thursday and now has home runs in back-to-back games. He's 9 for his last 20 at the plate with two doubles and two home runs. So he is really starting to pick things back up and heat up again, which is great. Would love to see him have a big month of September and carry that into the postseason. And you go back to August, it was a bit of a down month for him, slash 241, had a 346 on base, but just a 389 slugging percentage with just five doubles and three home runs. And that's after having 15 doubles and 11 home runs in the month of July. So a big drop off for him in August. So again, would love to see him get going in September and obviously into October. But I wanted to talk about Michael Harris, who had an incredible home run. When I saw him swing at this pitch, it was a a fastball kind of running in on him. I thought, okay, he got himself jammed. It's going to be a weak fly out to right field. And then I saw him kind of drop the bat, and it was a no doubt home run I thought this swing was just absolutely incredible the way he was able to pull his hands in on that pitch and drive it as far as he did 110 mile per hour exit velocity a 437 foot home run what this kid's doing right now is just incredible and look I I just told you I had Spencer Strider ranked number two in the offseason my top 10 prospects and I had Michael Harris number one so I believe this kid could be good, could be great. And it's you know still one season, not even a full season, but what he's done so far is just beyond even what I thought he could do. 
and you look at what he has done in 85 big league games, he's slashing 298, 344, 523, 56 runs scored, 46 runs batted in, 22 doubles, 14 home runs, and 16 stolen bases. I mean, it would take a big month of September, but this guy has an opportunity to be a 2020 player in around 100 games. That is just incredible. And I know I've been using that word a lot on this podcast and for a good reason with what Spencer Strider and Michael Harris have been doing. And what I love about Michael Harris, you know, he cooled off in the month of July after just an insane start uh, first month to his big league career. He cooled off in July, made some adjustments, which they talked about on the broadcast tonight, kind of bringing his hands down a little bit. And he had a great month of August. I think he'll probably win NL Rookie of the Year. I was hoping Von Grissom would, but he kind of cooled off um, just so the Braves would have three different players win it in three straight months. But I think Michael Harris is going to get it because he slashed 337, 400, 589 in the month of August, 22 runs scored, 12 doubles, four homers, 15 runs batted in, and five stolen bases so he is really you know as the league has adjusted to him it seems like he starts to be adjusting back and to be able to do that as a 21 year old on a team trying to win a division title a postseason contending team I mean words just cannot describe how great this kid has been and I call him a kid I mean he's he's 21 and it's just amazing to think about the potential of Michael Harris while playing gold glove defense in center field. And that's why I think if ever there was a time to give out co-NL rookie of the year, this has to be the season to do it. Cause I don't know how you choose between Michael Harris and Spencer Strider. Look, Spencer Strider could get to 200 strikeouts in less than 150 innings pitch. That is just insane in itself to even think about. And especially because one's a, a fielder and a hitter and one's a pitcher, I think it warrants the the time to do a co-NL rookie of the year because I just I don't know how you choose between those two guys. They've both been absolutely incredible for the Braves this year, but a big home run for Michael Harris on Thursday night. And I thought it was just an incredible swing and just shows the adjustments that he's making at the big league level on the fly. All right, next we'll turn our attention to the weekend where I think the Braves are going to be in for quite the battle against the Miami Marlins. We'll talk about that next. Before we get into the Marlins series, I want to go over a couple of things. Down on the farm, Ozzie Albies began his rehab assignment on Thursday evening at Gwinnett. Went over four with a strikeout, but great to see Ozzie back in there. Going to take him a little while to get back in the groove of things, obviously, but a big first step there as he gets his first game action. Ian Anderson started the game for Gwinnett, was on the mound. Five and two-thirds innings, nine hits, one walk, three run, three runs, only two of them earned, five strikeouts, gave up a home run. Threw 101 pitches, 64 strikes, so pretty good ratio there for Ian Anderson. I'm not going to try to read anything beyond the stat line there. Obviously, haven't gotten a chance to watch the game, but just did want to mention it there. That's um, a lot of hits again, but I'm sure he's working on things, like I said last time, so going to hold back some judgment until I'm able to watch some of those starts and see the things that he's working on. And then Mike Soroka, he's going to start his fourth rehab uh, start, make his fourth rehab start on Friday at AAA Gwinnett. I think the goal there is for him to get up to 90 pitches. So will be a big one for Mike Soroka. We'll see what happens after that. I mean, at that point, he's 
pretty much fully stretched out, then it just becomes, you know, a matter of does he feel like he can get out big league hitters or the Braves feel like he can get out big league hitters and do they think it's a good good idea to call him up. So we'll see how that plays out. I'm just wishing the best for Mike Soroka. I just want to see him healthy. I want to see him get back on a big league mound. So certainly wishing all the best for him. Now going into this series this weekend at home against the Miami Marlins, as I mentioned, I think it's going to be a very tough series for the Atlanta Braves going up against three really good pitchers for the Miami Marlins. While I already talked about the Braves offense sputtering a little bit at the moment, they are likely or scheduled to face Sandy Alcantara on Friday, who had the 2-1-3 ERA, Edward Cabrera on Saturday, who had the 2.45 ERA, and then Pablo Lopez on Sunday with a 3.64 ERA. And like I said, offense struggling, it's not a good time to be going up against a Miami Marlins team who can certainly pitch. Now their offense is not that great, so you may have to try to win some low-scoring games, and the Braves have shown they can do that. Braves are going to car- uh, counter with Charlie Morton on Friday, Jake Odorizzi on Saturday, and then Max Freed on Sunday. And for me, uh, you know, Morton has something to prove. Like I've talked about at the inconsistency, he can be so great and dominant one start and then give up four, four earned or more in the next one. So he's got something to prove for me in this one. And going up against Sandy Alcantara, you know you pretty much have to be perfect in this game. So a big start for Charlie Morton. Jake Odorizzi has been really good his last two times out. I just mentioned Mike Soroka's very close to being stretched out to the point where you could potentially bring him back up. So could that mean Odorizzi's you know, spot in the rotation could be coming up for grabs? Could the Braves go to a six-man rotation? We'll have to see. But Odorizzi's been very good his last two times. Just eight hits and one walk in his last two starts. That's 11 and two-thirds innings pitch. So hopefully that continues. It seems like he's figured something out. And then Max Freed wasn't himself his last time out. Had to really struggle through five innings. Actually got some help from his defense to not give up more than he did. But his own defensive efforts actually hurt him a little bit in that one too. Looking to see how he responds. I'm expecting him to respond very well, but certainly was not himself last time out. So looking for him to get back on track as well. And look, the Mets just want, took two out of three from the Dodgers, who have the best record in the NL, and they have the easiest schedule in all of baseball the rest of the way. So the Braves can't expect to get much help. They're going to have to take care of their own business, win as many games as they can down the stretch, which could be a good thing with the Braves playing some good teams down the stretch, games they need to win, have to win if they're going to win the division. That'll hopefully keep them in that postseason mind frame all month long as they gear up for the postseason. But don't expect much help from anybody playing the Mets. Just focus on what you're doing, win as many games as you can, and then we'll see what happens with that series against the Mets later in the year. That will do it for this episode. I will actually be out uh, this weekend and for Labor Day, and we won't be back on the podcast until Wednesday. Um, so enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Everybody stay safe. Hope you enjoy time with families and friends, and we'll be back on Wednesday. But again, that will do it for this episode. Thanks for making Locked On Braves your first listen of the day. Now make your second listen, Locked On MLB uh, podcast, where MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective on every team, talking about the biggest stories from around the league. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOn underscore Braves. Follow me at ShortstopBall. Also make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. 
Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 